0: to the Pharmacy Inspection Podcast, where we discuss topics related to sterile and non-sterile compounding pharmacy in an effort to promote compliance and increase quality. The Pharmacy Inspection Podcast is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, delivering quality and meaningful conversations and discussions about our pharmacy industry and the critical role pharmacists play in our healthcare systems. Learn more at PharmacyPodcast.com. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Prince and Seth De Pasquale.
1: Hello and welcome to all of our Compounding friends and colleagues to the Pharmacy Inspection Podcast where we discuss all things compounding. Let me echo Cess New Year's wishes from last year and say thank you for joining us in 2018. It's a new year and a new opportunity for us together to keep raising the bar. What have you done the first two weeks of this year? What does a new year look like for you? For me, it was about sharpening the ax. Years ago, when I was involved with the Del Carney organization as a coach, we would discuss a quote by Abraham Lincoln, which over time has actually become one of my personal favorites, especially during now, this first part of the year. Abraham Lincoln said that if he had six hours to chop down a tree, he would spend the first four sharpening his axe. And what that translates to us is taking some time now, the beginning of the year, for ourselves, for our pharmacies. And just because I'm a firm believer in strategic planning, because without some sort of plan, we're all just really kind of going through the motions with no real targets and no real goals. And so for me, that's why taking this time at the beginning of the year to sharpen my own personal acts is something that I've been doing for years. So I encourage you to do the same. This week on the podcast, Seth and I have the pleasure of speaking with Joe Caballero and Bill Mixon. I've had the pleasure of knowing these two gentlemen for four or five years now. And I actually call them and because I rely on them to help me fill in some of the knowledge gaps in sterile compounding. Because of their in-depth knowledge, they have helped justify a need to the Board of Pharmacy Specialists, which we call the BPS, for a certification program for sterile compounding. But before we get into that topic, why don't you guys give us, give the audience some background about who you are and how you got to this point in the industry. Joe, why don't you kick it off and tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: I'm Joe Caballero. I am a pharmacist, of course. I graduated University of Florida in 1980, and I got involved in home infusion therapy right at the start of the home infusion therapy market in like 1981, 1982. And I mentioned that because we used the compound, TPN. Nowadays, you take a bottle of dextrose, a bottle of amino acids, your electrolytes, and that's how you typically make TPN, but we used to actually compound in the uh, I want to say it was a 100 liter tank, 18 amino acids, six or seven electrolytes, a couple of kilograms of dextrose, and trace minerals. So it literally was compounded. Of course, had to be sterile, endotoxin, endotoxin levels controlled, and so on. And then from from there, I went on to become a surveyor for the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations, or the Joint Commission nowadays, I started a compounding pharmacy that got involved in human and veterinary compounding. And it was also that having come from that Joint Commission background, I realized that we needed something to show that compounding pharmacies met quality standards. And so early on, I got involved with a with a couple of guys, um, Bill LaTonde and Eric Costango and uh, Rick Ferris. We sat down and wrote some standards out for compounding pharmacies. And to make a long story short, that became the Pharmacy Compound Accreditation Board. And eventually, I became executive director of of that organization. And uh, I guess that's, that's my background. And nowadays, well, actually, nowadays, I work with a company called Gates Healthcare Associates. We do consulting work and with with compounding pharmacies and some industry companies and so on, and then I also teach sterile, non-sterile, and a regulatory workshop for LP three, which is people might know them as Medisca, but it's the uh, the teaching arm of Medisca LP three.
2: Very cool. I I didn't know all that background with you writing, <laughs> basically writing standards with uh, some of the big big players that are now yeah uh, you know doing consulting that's that's really cool
0: actually wow yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and 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 I have to say that the that the current set of pcap standards for sterile and non sterile compounding i i am for the most part the author of those as well because i i was involved with a merger with a c h c and was associate director of pharmacy at a c h c so i I was involved in that part of the process as well
2: awesome excellent um and then and then Bill what, tell us a little bit about you I I I know that uh you since we talked in DC you're you no longer own a compounding pharmacy but you you did own a compounding pharmacy for many years and uh how did you get into into compounding
3: Well I graduated pharmacy school in 1977 and after about a year and a half of working in a community retail setting I went to work in a hospital and I got involved with uh, sterile and non-sterile compounding right off the bat there in about 2000 of course that was all um you know low what i would call low and medium risk compounding but nonetheless we you know we did we did a fair amount of sterile compounding and uh, after a couple of hospital pharmacy residencies and a master's degree and Uh, working in two other hospitals. I uh, got into full-time pharmacy compounding when I went to work with another pharmacist here in Hickory who had already established a a very small compounding practice. I brought the sterile expertise, and we began doing high-risk sterile compounding back in 1990. 8 I'd say in 1997 one thing led to another and we opened the compounding pharmacy here in Hickory and I've been doing um, pharmacy compounding full-time ever since in the process of that I had the good fortune of being elected to the USP expert committee for compounding and i did my first cycle from 2010 to 2015 and then got reappointed to the expert committee for the 2015-2020 cycle during that time you know ever since 2010 we have been working on a revision to usb chapter 797 and also during that time we we wrote and brought out usb chapter 800 so i've been very involved with uh usb and standard settings since 2010 as well as trying to follow usb standards in my own pharmacy in addition to that i i, I do surveys for pcab for pharmacies who want to be accredited through P PCAP. so i'm using the standards that joe helped to develop
2: um so the, the big thing that I kind of wanted to get you guys together on was the, uh, board certification, um, for, for compounding, yeah, making it a specialty, uh, board certification. So, you know, I know that you guys are both authoring, um, that to some degree. And, uh, I, th- when I first saw it, I thought it was an awesome idea. I, I wrote that I wanted to be the first in line to, uh, to actually become board certified. So. Um, how did the idea of that all get started, and and where did that where did that all come from, Joe? I'll, I'll let you uh answer first.
0: Okay, sure. So this I I know this idea first came up in the 1990s with with Dr. Lloyd Allen. He had brought this up to uh, BPS, the idea of creating a a uh, certification program for sterile compounding, but it kind of died for lack of interest, but I, I guess it kind of simmered there. And then the next time I know that, at least from my perspective, that it came up when I, I was the executive director of PCAB during the whole NECC uh, disaster slash tragedy. And at that time, as you know, all the boards of pharmacy, FDA, everybody in the room was looking, how can we regulate compounding pharmacies
3: more and more and more?
0: And I brought up a Tom Menigan, excuse me, who's the CEO of APHA. Hey, Tom, part of what needs to be done here, there really ought to be some kind of specialty for compounding still, compounding pharmacy, because all these rules uh, tend to focus on facilities, equipment, and so on. But we know that, you know, 99% of the the, the processes, the skill of the people that are leading the, the still compounding facility. So somewhere there, it, it came up and then there's a colleague of ours, Anna Nobilski, who's also on this committee. I think she again brought that up to uh, APHA again. And I think that maybe got the process a little bit restarted again.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I, that really is, uh, in my opinion, the one thing that's that's really missing. You know, we, we have all these standards in place and and, and I I think for what we're trying to accomplish, they're they're good, but I think the big thing that we're missing is is I I guess it, I, I've kind of heard it like this the the 797 is almost like the the Cliff Notes version of of you know how we should be operating within a clean room, but it, it, it doesn't enable people to actually know some of the the why to why we're doing all this stuff, and I feel like a certification will actually get us to that point. Um, do you feel like the, you'll have to actually know a lot of, like, I guess that brings up the point, like, what do you feel like is going to be in the board certification to, to
0: become board certified? Well, let's let me, let me go back to your point, Seth, because I think it's really interesting. I, you had shared as part of the podcast, a letter you wrote to the Massachusetts Board of Pharmacy. Yes. And in that letter, and in that letter, and I thought this, this plays right into what we're talking about here. In that letter you said I think if I can fairly summarize it, hey your rule shouldn't be that specific because you're you're sort of stifling innovation and patient care and so on. And and I think this is part of exactly why why I think this certification needs to exist because you know we're supposed to be a profession, right? And and we're and, and although I don't disagree that we have proven that, unfortunately, we need some of these rules, um, you know, the rules are getting such that, you know, if it's three o'clock, you need to turn the, the clean room, you know, whatever, the clean room lights off, the pressure needs to be this and that. And and I really think, hopefully, what this certification will do is, is bring the level of skill up to so hopefully that you'll need less prescriptive regulations, because people will know what they're supposed to do, so you don't have to write a rule book of what you do in every case if something happens, right? Because what, what I'm starting to see in, in many cases with some of these rules, and I think this is what you alluded to, is that you know uh, maybe 95% of the time or 99% of the time you have to do something in, in compounding pharmacies because the rules say so, but there's that 1% where maybe that that thing is not the right thing to do and and yet right. the rules kind of stifle you from doing the right thing because, you know, whenever you write, you know, I've, I've written standards, Bill is involved with writing USP 797. I, I had the opportunity also to be on the USP Council, a convention, which is uh, another USP committee. And and whenever you try you write all this stuff, you're trying to write something to, to hit every eventuality, but that's what makes it so difficult because every time you try to write a standard, right, somebody will raise their hand and say, but what about this? And and how do you deal with that? What about this part of it? Competent, well-trained personnel, right, that know what to do in these special situations.
2: Yes, exactly. I, you know, you hit the nail right in the head. <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's the one thing that we're that we're missing is is just a a cohesive understanding of how we should operate. And, and I guess, you know, I, I, I almost sort of alluded to the fact that it shouldn't differ from zip code to zip code. Um, (laughs) We should just sort of have one standard nationwide, but um, yeah. Um, Go ahead, Bill.
3: Bill. Let me chime in a little bit. You know, the, the, a pharmacist, That's been licensed for six hours or one day or one month right out of school and go into a pharmacy and start practicing high risk sterile compounding with no more bar to entry than simply a pharmacist degree. Now, hopefully that pharmacist is going to get adequate supervision but who knows does that pharmacist really know what he or she needs to know to be a sterile compounding pharmacist and there is no um there's no there's nothing to stop you know somebody that's inexperienced or poorly trained from okay. practicing sterile compounding and that speaks that really speaks to the need for this board certification because there's just it's just too easy to get in it's too easy to get access to the to the patient through these sterile preparations with little or no training yes we have standards and yes we have boards of pharmacy but they you know that fundamentally this is a um you know I a large degree compliance with the standards is voluntary now i don't know that a bps certification is going to solve that but at least if a manager in a hospital or a manager in a home health agency home iv therapy company compounding pharmacy hires a staff member who has pass the BPS certification, that is certainly just like the PCAB accreditation. It's it, it's a very good indicator that these that this person knows what they're doing.
2: Right now is there any of the board certifications that um it's sorta of, that is a barrier of entry to get into on um, that particular branch of pharmacy?
0: Yes. And, and in fact, one of the things, and, and just to be clear, Seth, what the role that Bill and I played with, with this group and, and our other colleagues that were on this group were, were not necessarily to create the program. They are to justify the need to get the ball rolling and make this a, a BPS program. So all of our time was spent. Um, BPS has a bunch of criteria that you've got to meet before they will even consider whether a program is viable or not. So all of our effort was spent at this point in the game in in getting BPS to recognize that there really is a need for this sterile compounding uh certification. So so we're not developing at, at this point, we're not involved in developing the the actual program. This was just our our part was to make this make this happen, make the program happen. Gotcha. Okay. But to answer your question, yes, one of the things that we looked at is is there is there overlap? And and there is some overlap, probably there's already a a nuclear pharmacy BPS certification, a nutritional support certification, and an oncology certification. And those three there is probably some overlap because all those involve a significant amount of sterile compounding however we 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 thought that you know part of our justification to the to BPS was that sterile compounding as we see it for this certification is not unlike those other three which which are extensive include an extensive clinical component this one is really different than any of the other BPS certifications in that this one is really a, a, a skills and knowledge certification related to the practice of sterile compounding and probably less focused on clinical, whereas the other three are primarily clinical where
3: there's the overlap.
2: Right, this is... And just Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead.
3: Just to add what to Joe, what Joe said, you know, the, the group that we were part of... Um, you know, we're not, we haven't, we weren't asked to develop, like, the specific questions or the specific areas that will be uh, expected to be for um, the pharmacist has to demonstrate competency. We, like Joe said, we were just justifying the need for a BPS specialty. So it, it's to be determined at this point, you know, exactly what knowledge and Skills and training that the BPS certified sterile compounding pharmacist will uh, will have. We covered some of it, but we didn't really spend a lot of time laying it out. Now there was a role delineation survey done prior to this step, and um, in in that group, and I was part of that. um, We did a try to identify all of the areas where a sterile compounding pharmacist might touch. And it's really, really broad.
0: Can I read you kind of our draft definition for what the compounded sterile preparations pharmacist does or kind of yeah, what, how we define the role? So, so this is what we presented, the BPS, just so everybody's clear what we're talking about here. Pharmacists practicing in sterile compounding are responsible for ensuring that sterile preparations meet the clinical needs of patients, satisfying quality, safety, and environmental control requirements in all phases of preparation, storage, transportation, and administration in compliance with established standards, regulations, and professional best practices. The CF CSP pharmacist specialist is accountable for the supervision, training, competency, assessment, safety, and oversight of other personnel who are involved in this work. Now, something that should have jumped out when I read that to you, the, the last line there, the CFP pharmacist specialist is accountable for the supervision, training, competency, assessment, safety, and oversight of other personnel who are involved in this work.
2: At what stage is, is this certification in the approval process
0: um, at this point? So we we created uh, a, a document for BPS. Well, prior to creating this document, we, we did a survey. We we surveyed our colleagues, most of them, the, the vast majority, and I don't recall the numbers off the top of my head, but the vast majority of people said this is a great idea, as with anything in pharmacy. Um, you know, some of our colleagues said this is a terrible idea, I don't need to know, you know, I know everything I need to know. Um and then we, we, also, we also worked with uh, a number of organizations and hospital organizations and some of the leaders in, in some of the industry and so on to, to get letters of support that yes, we, we need this. We, we need this program. And then we had to respond to several different criteria that DPS establishes for any one of these programs. We have to put together a pretty expensive document. Bill, if you refresh my memory, it's like what, four or five hundred pages of stuff we have to answer. Um our our final document came out to be like four or five hundred pages of here's why we need it, uh, here's what organizations said, here's what our colleagues, is there a demand? We have to assess how, how many how much in demand would there be because obviously administering this type of a program is relatively expensive. And so we had put, we have put this together. And at this point, BPS is reviewing that. Is that correct? Though, is that how you understand the the process? Where the process is at right, right. now? Right.
3: Uh, yes. This petition went to a s h c and APHA, who apparently oversee the Board of Pharmaceutical Specialties. And this uh, this document basically provided the background and the um justification for BPS creating this specialty. So now it's up to those um, those individuals, I guess the board of directors for BPS to decide whether to go forward and and uh, write the exam and create the create the specialty. And I don't Yep, and don't actually know and
0: actually I I just pulled up, I actually just pulled this up, and it's 432 pages of justification that we had to do.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) How long did that take you guys to write? (laughs) Oh, we've been a day. No,
3: we're that good. Several months. Yeah. We worked on it.
2: I was extremely excited to have Joe and Bill on. Honestly, I, I can't wait to meet Joe in person one of these days. And when I had the pleasure of meeting Bill in DC for the FDA compounding committee, I had a great time speaking with him. They're they're two of the finest pharmacists and people I've had the honor of meeting. So thank you both Joe and Bill for coming on the podcast. I'm very hopeful for the board certification that it will become a reality, I truly think it's a necessity. What about you? What are your thoughts on the proposed board certification? Let us know. Send us a tweet at Pharmacy Inspect. Message me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Email us at podcast at pharmacyinspection.com or visit the site and leave us a voicemail. Let us know. Next week, we have another extraordinary guest on the show, Rad Dillon who is a pharmacist and ACHC auditor. This is going to be an episode you don't want to miss if you're trying to improve your practice or if you have a PCAB accreditation coming up. So thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll join
0: us next week. Until then, keep raising the bar.